go rebuild my church, which as you can see, is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Welcome to our radio program called Go Rebuild My Church. My name is Peter Doan, and I'm excited to be with you today as we explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus, Go Rebuild My Church and how this theme is relevant to the church today. My wife, Leslie, and I have recently launched a lay apostolate called Encounter Jesus Discipleship Ministries. You can learn more about us and our passion for renewal in the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 12 years ago. And that is when we heard the call to rebuild, and we joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the Catholic Church. Hopefully, through this ministry and this radio program, we can provide pathways for you as individuals as well as parishes to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal. If you're joining us for the first time today, we have initiated a series that we believe is critical to rebuilding and renewing the American Catholic Church. Our series is The Call to Return to Biblical Christianity. This theme that we're currently discussing is taking us on a journey into the Acts of the Apostles where we're rediscovering the characteristics that made these early Christians such a powerful force at that time. We have a great show in store for you today. Periodically, we interview men and women that are doing rebuilding and renewal in the subject areas that we're discussing. And I'm very excited today to have the opportunity to interview Ann Corcoran, recently retired, who for years was the leader who helped develop, build, and maintain small church communities at St. Monica's Catholic Church, Indianapolis. Welcome to our show today, Ann. Thank you. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Yes, it's great to have you. So, Ann, as you remember, a few several years ago, you were... From my end, you were instrumental in helping me transition from an evangelical leader who had built small groups in uh, communities for three decades into learning the DNA of small Catholic church communities in a Catholic setting. And I really appreciate your help. It was instrumental for me. So as we start today, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you first became involved in the leadership of small church communities? Sure. Um, I'm not from far away. I grew up in Indiana, and um, I think what was really important uh, to me was that I was the second oldest of 10 kids. Oh, wow, um, 10. And, and very, I think just through the Mass, very, felt very close to God at a very early age. So I was pretty involved in my parish even as a, as a even before my teenage years any way I could I always wanted to be at mass I always wanted to be helping with stuff I remember thinking it was the best thing that ever happened to me that I could teach bible school when I was you know in high school mm. um so I was pretty pretty excited about church in general um and then I studied at the University of Notre Dame and I, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do but I I 
woke up to the idea, I didn't even realize, because my parish at home didn't have one, but that they had lay workers in parishes. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that's what I wanted to become. Um, I did some internships and other things, and right away, right out of college, started working as a DRE. I did that until we had a family of our own. And then it was really, while we were raising kids, our youngest um, was in first grade, our oldest was going into his sophomore year of high school, but I saw this job opening at St. Monica in Indianapolis. And they had small church communities already, and they were booming. They were just a huge thing before I went there. And it was kind of, um, I wasn't looking for work yet, but it was too big an opportunity, too much my love to miss it. Mm-hmm. So my involvement in small church communities really started with St. Monica when I took the job that they had open there, and that job was a pastoral associate job just to support those small church communities and also Christ Renews his parish in RCIA. So it was an adult faith formation um, position, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the beginning. Um, but what drew me there in the first place was just my love of, you know, how can people live their faith as adults? Uh-huh. So I was pretty excited to, to be at St. Monica and learn from them. Oh, thanks, Anne. That's, that's very good. So even though uh, the small church community started before you came on staff there, could you give us a little short history lesson on how they began going from not, not operating there into how they started forming their small church communities? Yeah, sure. So, for, so a lot of this happened well before I was there. Some of the communities were almost 20 years old. So Father Clem Davis was the pastor at the time, mm-hmm. and he'd maybe been there a year or two when he heard Father Art Baranowski talking about small church communities, and he had a particular vision, um, and he formed um, a group called Nat, um, NAPRAC, or National Alliance for Parishes Restructuring into Communities. Mm-hmm. And Father Art Baranowski's dream was to get beyond the programmatic church, where we just have a Bible study, and then it, you know, then our faith is just kind of in your head or whatever. But really, it was another way of renewing the church, for sure. He saw people actually living as those early Christian communities in the Acts of the Apostles. So Father Mm -hmm. Clem was pretty um, inspired by that. With the help of a couple real instrumental parishioners, um, they went on and started, their first step was just to do a pilot. So Father Clem and a few parishioners were in a community themselves, and then from there they just started inviting others to that. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of spread from there. They had an annual rollout um, where they would say, taste of SCC, and then they would go through a kind of six to 12-week formation process with a with a baby SCC, and if they wanted to keep going, they'd keep going, and all the same people would be in a group for life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, go ahead. So I would say from the late 80s, when they first started, from that first pilot SCC to when I got there almost 20 years later in 2006, they had um, had at different times as many as almost 40 communities, and they were in maybe just 32 or 33 when I came in 2006. So they had really grown. And in the, you know, probably about eight eight to ten years in is when they really, really added a lot of communities. Very significant, that number of small groups. We're speaking today with Ann Cochran from St. Monica's Catholic Church in Indianapolis, a key leader in the small church community movement there. So, Ann, uh, what do you believe is the most unique part of a small church community? How can that play within the Catholic Church culture, and what makes these different from other church programs? So, 
um, I think speaking for them, the one of the big differences was just how entwined their lives got. So a small church community might get together and have a gathering twice a month or so, mm-hmm. but as they shared with the scriptures and different things, their lives really became intertwined, and pretty soon um, a lot of the persons, you know, maybe didn't have families in town or the parish was so large and uh, spread out that they didn't know how to make friends or get started. So slowly over time they do lots of events together, you know, their first communions, baptisms, uh, maybe people weren't even married yet, and the next thing you know they, they were celebrating marriages. So their their lives kind of came together. Mm-hmm. I think from my point of view, you know, kind of a little more outside of it, one of the unique parts is it, how it can um, help sustain a person in their prayer and, and really their overall vaca- vocation. So, you know, as they try to listen to God in their lives, this is this is the group that's trying to do that with them. So it's um, kind of immediate, kind of on the ground. It's, it's not getting its power from programs, but really centered in, in prayer and, you know, where is God leading me right now? Hmm. Thanks for that, Ann. Uh, we're going to take a short break right now, and when we return, we'll continue on sharing on small church communities from our guest, Ann Cochran. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. We have the privilege today of sharing together with Ann Cochran from St. Monica Catholic Parish, in Indianapolis, who has led a small church community movement at that parish. So, Anne, uh, I know that you have knowledge of how small groups play an important place in the Catholic Church internationally. Uh, what are some of the similarities then and the differences that some of these small communities function compared to our small groups in the American culture? Yeah, so, so one group. One experience that I've had firsthand is St. Monica has a sister parish in Honduras, and um, so I had the privilege of being there only once so far have I been there. But those parishes, um, those folks are living way out in mountains, way far where a priest can't get around every week or even every month. And so how they kind of keep their faith alive is in these small church communities. And I know some of the ones that we visited there actually use this um, model called the neocatechumenal way. Yes. It has mm-hmm. a series or a level, and you kind of learn about your faith, but also grow and celebrate sacraments. So it's a way of kind of learning, but also growing and praying together when you're not even having a weekly Mass. It's just not even available to you. Mm-hmm. So there's almost like an elder system, but a priest will often be the one you kind of consult, can I go to the next level or not? So they do, it's a, it's a group movement, um, it's a renewal movement, but it's it's a lot different than in the United States um, because it, it's trying to take the place of uh, the lack of priests. 
really, and the, mm-hmm. the, the lack of being able to, to be at Eucharist every week. Mm-hmm. So it's how they kind of carry on and, and keep their faith alive. Mm-hmm. And so small groups were a big part of many, many Latin American uh, countries. Yes. So uh, our listeners may not know, but there is a real strong um, uh, word and vision for to start small church communities after Vatican II. Um, St. Paul VI wrote his uh, apostolic exhortation called Evangelii Nunciandi, and it's interesting, within that document, there's a strong call to begin to form these small groups, these small church communities. They were called basic communities, small church communities, or sometimes small groups. But the whole idea was to have these cells working in the local parish that would bring renewal, that would bring evangelization, and would bring discipleship to the local parish. And um, and, and in many ways, internationally, these groups have grown like wildfire. And I think that they're starting now to begin to catch on here in the United States. Uh, So we're talking today, if you're just joining us, with Ann Cochran from St. Monica's Catholic Parish in Indianapolis, who has led a small church community movement. And Ann is helping us uh, start to think about how these might factor into our own lives and into our own parishes. So, Anne, uh, what do you see as the most important of the activities needing to take place when a small church community gathers for a meeting? So I was thinking of this one, and um, there's a number that are, are traditional, but this one really spoke to my heart not long ago in the, the lectionary cycle. So these past five Sundays, we've had this epistle from um, the book of James. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there was a line in there um, that I'm, that's still with me, and it says, welcome the word that has been planted in you. And um, hmm. I think if there was a good instruction, that's it. A lot of times we'll get together in our small church communities, and so we always said at St. Monica, it's connecting faith and life. Mm-hmm. And um, there will be a lot of talk and a lot of fellowship, which is all good. But this, um, this was just making me think of how close God really is, how that's not just a word or an idea or a feeling that's planted in us, but there's that life of God himself in each of us, and having that silence, really, to, to really be in touch with that. So as a, a small church community gathers, I think they need to remember um, to make a lot of space and really be in touch with how close God is to us. Mm-hmm. And then from there outflows everything else. Um, so in a way, I'm saying the foundation is prayer, but the quality of prayer really is kind of born in a silence that's real attentive to the Word that's planted in us. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, usually um, the Scripture is a huge part of it, and we we always like to base that especially on the lectionary readings, because that's why the Church has them. So now we're connected to the Eucharist as well. Mm-hmm. So all our sharing and our being together is leading us to God in the Eucharist, living, leading us to give thanks, and then back into our life from there. Mm-hmm. Um, in the praying and in the sharing of the Scripture, just kind of breaking it open in our lives, out comes this, um, this really tremendous bonding that happens. And so you'll get a community that the people within the community care, very, they're very bonded, very, um, they really take care of one another. So from a pastor's point of view, 
it was a dream to have so many small church communities in a parish because if somebody was in a small church community, they were taken care of. You know, they were cared for. Mm-hmm. Um, and even beyond that, service is a huge part. And somehow, you know, as you, that word just, you just sit with that presence of God in you or share it, you know, verbally or, or grope with it in the readings, um, it should always be leading us, you know, and sometimes together out to other people as well. Mm-hmm. So, so I think those that that prayerful foundation, that that attitude of attentiveness, listening, that recollection, that feeling that God is really close, um, not being too quick to to share opinions that leads to disagreements, but just really to begin to open up to what God is doing there in the room at that moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Anne, what I hear you're saying, and Bible studies, I think, are real critical to our spiritual development, but these are different than Bible studies, right? Exactly. So this is this is the more the prayerful, what is God speaking right here and now in my heart? And I can hear that by how, how my... Um, how things jump to my mind or jump to my heart, emotions that come and go as I hear these words. So it's slowing down a lot, and it's really praying with scriptures more than it is analyzing or, or trying to draw conclusions. And it's just sharing, well, wow, <laughs> as we as we say this here, or as I heard this on Sunday, this is what came to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and now as I hear you, I hadn't even heard that before, but now I hear this again. And right now, here and now, God's calling me to this or that in my life. Or I didn't even think about how much God loves me, or how much I need saved, or whatever it is at that particular moment in time. So it's it's a very, um, it's both kind of, it's very relational. And it's relational with God, not just the people in the room. It's all the people in the room together, kind of listening to God together. Mm-hmm. So it's a little different. You're not just informing your head. I mean, you do learn and grow from it, but you're listening for what God wants to say to you. So in that respect, it might be a little bit different than a Bible study, and you tend not to systematically, I mean, maybe a group sometimes wants to systematically study something, but it's not so much a study as it is a listening to God. Amen. Thanks for that, Ann. Uh, We're going to take another short break now. We've been sharing with Ann Corcoran from St. Monica's Parish in Indianapolis about small church communities. And when we return, we're going to continue to pursue just exactly how these can work in your local parish. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? Have you just wanted to explore the Catholic faith? All you need to do is call your local Catholic Church for more information. We are always happy to help you in your journey to discover and learn more about the Catholic faith. We have classes that are almost year-round, and the classes and information sessions do not involve making a commitment, and there is no pressure to join. Please call your local Catholic parish for more information today and start the journey of one day possibly becoming Catholic as well. God bless. So, the scan button brought you here. Awesome. We like company. Get to know us. And if you have to leave, come back. You're always welcome. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to our radio program called Go Rebuild My Church. Today we are uh, sharing life together with Ann Corcoran 
from St. Monica's Catholic Church in Indianapolis, and we're talking about the important place that small church communities or basic communities they're sometimes called or simply small groups can play in the life of a parish and the life of a family and the life of an individual. So Anne, um, leadership I know is so critical for a healthy small church community and just how that functions, uh, how they facilitate, you know, not too strong a hand and yet giving some guidance. How did you all at St. Monica's recruit, train and deploy and then help leaders for your groups? So it's changed through the years. I mean, it's, it's gone different ways. At one time, it was very formal. Every group would have what they called a pastoral facilitator, and that rotated every three years. So for three years, there would be one person who acted kind of like a shepherd and made sure his or her own little group was, um, was healthy, basically. You know, And if somebody wasn't coming to meetings, they were the one that made sure that somebody reached out to see if they were okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and those, those facilitators, one from every group, would meet monthly. Oh, okay. Now, as the years went on and, and the leadership, you know, people had been in gr- the group for 20, 25, even 30 years, they didn't need the weekly meeting so much. They weren't looking for that much direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so that over time, it became a little less guided, um, a little less resourced. Um, I would say it's still very helpful, you know, if there's somebody and if that kind of changes hands, um, somebody from every group um, that just kind of takes it on themselves if the parish isn't organized in doing it for you, mm-hmm. um, just, you know, and then to make sure that that doesn't remain the same person all the time, but let everybody, um, and that person was always just a shepherd. It wasn't a person that had to do all the work, didn't lead all the meetings, anything like that, but it did make sure that people, if they disappeared, they contacted them. If something was going wrong, the group was going a bad direction, they'd go out and seek help from the pastor or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. So, and leadership rotated out every three years, is that what you said? Yes. Mm-hmm. So a person would work with their own group for three years, and maybe they could do a second term, but it was three-year terms. Mm-hmm. And then, so as these groups had been together a long time, everybody got a, ter- a turn. You know, they'd almost, when it was time, and they did that with discernment. They tried to learn discernment nights where it say, hey, who's being called to this right, right now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who does the group need, and, and who's the one feeling called to do it? Mm-hmm. So it was very like Christ Renews His Parish in, in some of that. Yeah, yeah. So, and this leads me to, th- as I look at our culture that we're living in today here uh, in 2021 in the midst of the busyness, number one, the stress that's in our culture with COVID and uh, economic pressures, political pressures. What do you say to a practicing Catholic who's got all this going on and doesn't think he or she has time to make a commitment to join a small group? How would you, uh, what would you respond to with that, uh, with a person that's in that place? Yeah, the busyness um, and the stress, the anxiety, all the competing demands in uh, opinions and factions around us. I mean, that's kind of the source of our stress. So I guess what I would share is the minute you step into a small church community, you have the opportunity, and for a lot of people, this is the reality. You step into this oasis of peace almost. Mm-hmm. You can step out of that. You don't have to be 
constantly competing with the people around you. You don't have to be that busy. And here's a group of people who are going to set this time aside with you. So all of a sudden, you know, it is. It can be this oasis of of peace, this little moment of stillness Mm -hmm. that you've carved out just for yourself. Yeah, that's Um, a point well taken. Yeah, we had a real surprise one. For those groups where they had attendance problems, Sometimes when they started meeting every week, like which sounds like a real overcommitment, right? But if you met every week, they actually found it easier to get there. Oh, that's so interesting. It just became a part of their way of life, mm-hmm. and so it was like brushing your teeth or making your bed. You know, I'm here with these people, um, and we're we're gonna open up this space and let God be here among us. And wow, that really can be an oasis. <laughs> uh-huh, that's good. So, Anne, one last thing. Uh, last week, Leslie and I talked about faith growing in a circle, talking about small groups, and that we grow in fellowship and relationship with one another and with God in ways we cannot grow on our own. And we pointed out last week that there's 59 one another verses in the New Testament, and that small groups can be a structure that allows us to live that way with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Is there an experience you could share in conclusion that comes to mind when you have seen this dynamic at work? Like, I've just seen so much where when people have those others behind them, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, um, things like, I've I've seen people who have had to deal with blindness or, or, um, you know, a long protracted and... and, um, deadly illness, you know, that results in death, or a long chronic illness, um, all those things. And they kind of discover from each other um, that life that kind of goes beyond now. So I don't know if I'm making a lot of sense, but mm-hmm. sure, they, um, they not only support that other person through that, but they mm-hmm. learn something for themselves that, that they didn't know um, so it's kind of hard to explain. I will say this, that there's almost always surprises. You know, when you start joining your lives with other people and right. with God, big surprises come. Um, so mm-hmm. I guess I'm, not, I'm drawing a blank on what some of those have been. But. No, that's good. I know, I know I've mentioned to you before that when my son was deployed to Afghanistan for 10 months and my wife and I were on edge those 10 months and there was some tragedies that happened in his unit um we we really uh drew upon our small group in a way that we were supported in in ways that uh, came no no other way to us um I want to thank you for joining us today. We've been speaking with Ann Corcoran, who is, has led small church communities in St. Monica's Catholic Parish in Indianapolis. And I'd like to pray for all of us today as we conclude. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask, O oh Lord, that you would bless each and every listener. We pray you bless Ann and the families that she's connected with. And we ask, O oh Lord, in the American Catholic Church, that you would create a hunger and those uh, throughout the church to gather together, to seek you, to have spiritual fellowship, and to consider to structure themselves in these small groups to uh, grow in you and grow in their love for you. Thank you for joining us today, everyone. And we ask you to continue to listen to Catholic Radio Indy, and we encourage you to keep the faith. You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. 
Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy, 105.7.